0: Hi and welcome to the Mind Project with your hosts Laura Ash and
1: me Barry Ash.
0: So guys welcome to this evening it's absolutely wonderful to have you all here and we are very very lucky as well this evening to be joined by the lovely Kathy McCarthy. I almost think Kathy your name sounds like a superhero's name. <laughs> <laughs> i wish <laughs> it does it does so guys let me give you a little bit of an intro so that you know why you're here and why kathy is here okay so life can be pretty stressful at times as we never really know or understand the real impact of this do we, we certainly don't. but it only becomes a problem perhaps when we can't lose weight well, today we are very, very lucky to be joined by Kathy McCarthy, who speca- specializes in such hormones. Now, Kathy has agreed to join us for a two-part series on inter-hormones. But this week, we're going to be looking at stress hormones and how they affect our weight loss and our sleep. Now, Kathy has worked in the health and fitness industry for over 25 years. and She doesn't look old enough at all. okay. <laughs> um, she started out as uh, exercise to music instructor at the age of 20 and she went on to do a sports science degree and has worked in the industry ever since as a PT and a nutrition coach. Now over the years Kathy has studied for many certifications notably with the ACSM and is a precision nutrition level 2 certified coach. But more recently, she has turned her studying to all about hormones and hormonal change. As being in her 40s, she was actually experienced this for the first time herself. So Kathy is a qualified women's wellness specialist, including menopause, osteoporosis, pelvic floor health, and breast cancer rehab. She's a third age woman instructor um, per- to postmenopause and an expert in women's health and hormone issues. She is basically a woman's wellness warrior, I think. Wonder Woman, I think we can call (laughs) you for that. So, Cathy says she's passionate about helping women understand both the changes that are happening and supporting them to make lifestyle choices to enable them to thrive beyond their 40s. And she does admit, for her weakness is drinking wine and champagne. Oh darling. And her she loves her family, the great outdoors and her horses and her dogs. So welcome Kathy. It's an absolute honour and a privilege to have you join us today. Say hello to everybody. Hello everyone, I'm
2: thrilled to be here and it's also an honour for me to be here, hopefully helping you a little bit understand this quite important and fairly complex topic. But I'm hoping that we can kind of keep it sort of Simple enough that you you can kind of get your heads around it, and more importantly, give you some, some actionable tips so that you can actually, you know, understand what you need to do moving mm-hmm. forwards to kind of help you get where you want to go.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Kathy. Now,
2: I oh, mean, by the way, by the way, I don't drink wine and champagne at the same time. <laughs> well, why not?
1: <laughs> Just one after the other.
0: I love it. So, um, Kathy, let's get let's get straight into it. Okay, then. So. You know, stress hormones. We hear this so often nowadays. It's bandied about, okay, including things like insulin resistance, cortisol, and all other such things. But can such a little thing of stress really affect our weight loss?
2: Yes, <laughs> it, yes, it does. And it's it's um it's not just sort of stress as we know it. It is the stress hormones that um due to the stress response that we have and in particular when we are kind of chronically experiencing that stress response, um, meaning that those stress hormones stay elevated kind of in the bloodstream, you know, it's too much and then it causes unbalance in the body because everything in the body is about balance. Um, It's never about sort of good and bad, it's just about making sure everything works together, the body's designed to be kind of it works in of, of, often hormones are often in opposite pairs and they sort of, they, they kind of ebb and flow and they should sort of, you know, cancel each other out. But when you've got a, a, a like a, a sort of chronic stressful state, then the stress hormones can stay in overdrive. And one of the problems today is our sort of modern busy lives mean that we are, you know, so many of us are chronically stressed and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I, I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, and she said, "Oh, yeah, well, I'm not stressed." And it's like, it's not just about stress that we perceive. Like, you know, you know, when you, ha- when you have got a lot on your plate, and you're like, oh, you know, we, we, we recognise that as stress. But there's so, so many things that feed into being stressors, and we only have one stress response. The body, as amazing as it is, hasn't really adapted from, you know, caveman days in terms of how how we respond to stress. So we literally just have that one fight or flight response, which is designed to keep us alive. It's all about survival. And particularly back back in our KV days was was crucial because literally it was what kept you alive. And there's no greater priority than staying alive. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's still kind of where we're at. That's still what the body prioritizes. And we still just have that one response, which is literally to cope with fight or flight. And yet the things that actually are stressors today very rarely something like that but it's a whole bunch of other things um
0: both internal and external yep. which we can expand on in detail if you want yeah definitely so you know kathy as you say you know it's we're so busy all the time now so how does this because i mean you've sent us this amazing 13 page handout it's fantastic i've had a read through it so should we just start kind of at the top? Because you say that you we all have the central nervous system. But then off of that, we have the um, sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's these two that has the stress put on them that affects the hormones. Is that right? Yeah,
2: I mean, that, I've tried to keep it kind of quite simple. So I probably oversimplified it. Because if you talk about everything in the body as it truly is, then it gets even for us as pros learning it, it can get really complex and overwhelming yeah. because you've also got your um autonomic nervous system which is your gut and autonomic just means it's happening kind of these things like heart rate and, and so on that we can't control. But but um all the systems in the body interrelate so your your um your your digestive system all, all the systems kind of are talking to each other all the time and this is where it can get a little bit complex is, for example, the gut. You know, the brain sends signals to the gut, but also the gut sends signals to the brain. But if we think of the brain as sort of top of the tree, which is your central nervous system, it's all about what your brain perceives. And I think that's um, quite important, particularly with what you guys do in mindset, because it's taking in information all the time through our senses, so what we see, what we hear, what we smell. But it's also things like what we perceive and, and the... Meaning we attach to something, so it can be things like our thoughts as well. Um, so, so it's processing all of that data, and then that's got of, that then ripples down to these other systems. And so you've got, and because as we said, we prioritise the stress response is the numero uno because staying alive. If you don't stay alive, there's, there's nothing else happening. Um, so, so that is the, the hormones working axes. And what we're talking about is what's called the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus-pituitary-adrenal axis. And that's kind of the the priority. The the next one along is the HPT, which is hypothalamus-pituitary-thyroid. The stress, the HPA axis, which is what we're mostly talking about today, has a knock-on effect to the thyroid. So often when people have thyroid problems, not all the time, but a lot of oftentimes, you can trace it back upstream to the HPA axis. And then that HPT, uh, that that all then feeds down to the sex hormones. So um, everything affects everything. And then that feeds into the digestive system. And then that's feeding back up to the brain as well. So it's it's kind of a, a system of feedback loops. And sometimes when... Bits go into overdrive, the messages get a little bit out of control and things get out of balance. But in terms of the stress response, yeah, you have got the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And it's literally like um, we all know that we said stress is fight for flight. That's your sympathetic nervous system. That's kind of a, you know, literally run for your life, fight, you know, get up and go, revved up. um, And the whole physiology goes with that. And then the parasympathetic should dampen that response back down again and bring things back to normal. And that's your rest and digest. Um, So often I say it's like yin and yang. It's like Mm. two halves of something. They should ideally be equal. You know, one's not good or bad. They should be in balance. But as you said, if we're constantly getting into this sympathetic overdrive, which can be anything from not just stress as we would, you know, like we might think, oh, I've had a bad day at work or I got stuck in traffic or... Uh, my boss shouted at me or my partner's in uh, a mood with me or any of those things that we would recognize as stressors, but it's also even good stress is still a stressor. So, I would mean, take me, I used to teach a lot of exercise the music classes. If I stand in front of a class and about to go, as much as I love doing that, I'd get a stress response. I'd get a, a jolt of adrenaline and stress hormones, and at least in that case, it's not so bad because I'm going to be moving about. It's more when we're having that, that response and we're sat on our backsides, um, which, in, you know, these days is quite often the case. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of other things. Again, it, it can be good stuff, um, but it's, it's still... I don't know if you've heard of the concept of an allostatic load, um, but that's just a kind of posh term for, like, your stress bucket. Like, it's the whole pile of stresses that you have. So you've got kind of work stress, relationship stress, sleep stress nutritional stress you know all these things and they pile up and if you imagine that filling up your bucket um you know often just having small extra bits in there can cause an overspill and that can cause problems whereas it's like people say well how come one person can cope with something and someone else doesn't well partly they might not have a such a, a a full bucket in the first place, but it's also our individual makeup of how we cope with things. And, yeah. and I think it's um useful to, to look at um kind of good stress versus bad stress. When I show PM precision nutrition, this is what, what they say quite nicely, is that you know, we need stress in our lives. Again, this is the thing people like to make things simple and, and label things as good or bad. And mm. it's not the, the presence of something that's that's good or bad. It's when they get out of balance. So remember, it's always about balance uh, and, and how we can try and you know foster that balance. So a good stress, uh, again, that's quite subjective, but it's usually something that's that's short lived. Um, so you get that stress response, but it would calm down again. It's usually something that kind of would energise you. It's a bit like me coming on this. I mean, I, I don't feel like, well, you know, it was like, oh, I'm going on a webinar, I got, I've got a little bit hyped up for it, but in a good way. I'm looking forward to it, it stimulates me, whereas if it was, I don't know, I don't know, going up in court or something, <laughs> you know, that might be more of a bad stress, but, but bad stress as well tends to be, prolonged and chronic so yeah so and, and it's, it's how we perceive that we cope with it so again one person's good stress is another person's bad stress it's like it's like a your own fingerprint really it's it's unique to you and your ability to to deal with that which is partly you know your, your psychological makeup it's partly kind of how resilient you are but it's also Fun have to do the hormones as well because I don't want to go on to about the sex hormones too much. But as our sex hormones sort of drop, that and particularly estrogen, and, and men have estrogen too, estrogen actually helps us moderate cortisol. So, particularly for women, once they're sort of in their mid 30s onwards and their estrogen levels start dropping, your ability to buffer and deal with some of these stress hormones is less, which not only means you'll have the the effects we're going to talk about in terms of possibly the weight gain and so on but also you're not your your ability to cope with stress will be less so you might need to look at that stress bucket and start looking at things you might be wanting to take out of that and yet yeah, this time of life you know usually you've got tolerance is sort of like thirties, forties, and so on. We're kind of busier than ever. We've got lots on our plate. You know, a lot of people's parents. They might also be looking after their parents. There's, you know, they might be at a stage in their career where they've got lots going on. It's, you know, it's it's such a, you know, people have got so much on their plates at this time, and yet their ability to buffer it is is starting to go down. Yeah, and then we've got
0: yeah because we're kind of you know and we don't even we take that for granted that age just happens and we seem to think that we can do what we did when we were like 20 25 coming up for that but as you say you might physically be able to do that but your body is actually changing inside to be able to deal with the um consequences of that stress that's right isn't it kathy yes yeah it
2: is and all you kind of your hormonal status is, is changing anyway but but um But also, i sort of, you know, talk about rest and digestion. also there's a thing like your wear repair balance, and we all know, you know, when you're sort of in your early 20s, you can kind of go out on a bender and eat pizza and still train and and, and do stuff. But when you're, like, in your early 40s, you can't do that. I mean, it's not a surprise that you don't get any, like, you know, elite sportsmen, like pro footballers or, or tennis players in their 40s, because however good these guys are, they just can't, Carry on at that level because they need longer to recover. Yeah. So when we're when we're younger, our hormones are more, um you know, they're more anabolic and, and building us up. Whereas when we're younger, we're more catabolic. And so what we need to do is put in place strategies to try and sort of minimise that, so yeah. we're we're not kind of adding to the wear and tear. Because although it you know, without doubt, you know, we do, you know, age is <laughs> it's, it's not great. You know, you're never going to be the same as someone who's. You know, hormonally, as someone who's in their 20s, but at the same time, we just have to be very careful that we're not making things worse. And this is where the whole lifestyle choices really start to come in. Things you got away with when you were younger, you might find you kind of don't get away with so much now. And yes, there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, not just stress hormones.
1: Yeah. So, can we build up a, a resilience to these stress hormones, or is it more of a managing the situation that we put ourselves in?
2: that's a good question uh, it is it is managing that response because um I, again everyone's going to be different with this but it's it's kind of when you're triggering that response all of the time then then you kind of get stuck in that physiology and that then sort of drives that then has a knock-on effect things like your digestive system which then isn't functioning so well and because that's not functioning well, that then sends signals back up saying, you know, there's problems here, which then drives the stress response even more. So it does become a bit of a vicious cycle once it, once you get to that point where maybe you've got a bit too much. Yeah. It does become, you know, almost it compounds a little bit. So it is about managing it. It's about, I mean, ideally, you know, if, if a stress is short-lived, the parasympathetic nervous system should sort of bring things back down yeah. to normal again. Uh, if somebody's uh, kind of high, you know, and again, this is the thing about people's thoughts as well, because if somebody's just anxious anyway, yeah, you know, they're kind of hyper triggering yeah. uh, all of the time, um, and oh, I lost my there. <laughs> so so it's having strategies in place. And, and this is the thing is that I was just on a course today where um, we've been talking about this, and they were saying, um, you know, things like breathing. It's just like simple, simple stuff like deep you know optimizing people's breathing that was breathing is like the best tool deep breaths deep diaphragmatic breaths to bring you back into your parasympathetic nervous system it's, it's like the old like, count to 10 sort of thing yeah. but the problem is this is what these ladies think is they're organizing this busy course when you're rushing around in the you know the, the heat of the moment trying to do all that stuff the last thing you're thinking when well, you're being driven by that Is oh I'm just going to go and sit down and take my Mm. you know 10 deep breaths whatever so that's that's the challenge I think because the the remedies are fairly simple but it's kind of Mm. I suppose being able to manage yourself enough to do it because once you're being controlled by stress um you know we tend to be a little bit reactive rather than proactive and that's normal because again the part of the fight flight is survival so one of the things the brain does is it it doesn't deal with kind of cognitive Processing because by the time you thought about something, that you know the saber-tooth tiger could have killed you. So that's when we're under fight-flight, what we tend to do um, in our brains as well is, is we we just take out a program that we already have. So the brain loves stories and, and patterns. So we store all these things in our brain, and when we're under a stressful situation. Um, we don't. Brain doesn't go. Oh, we'll weigh that up and think about what might be best. It just goes. Ah, oh, I know what that looks like. You know, rowdy spouse. That means go to the the stored library, pull out story. That means this, and so that's the problem as well. Because depending on what our stories are. This is why people get kind of stuck in patterns of behaviour because you're not in your cognition and your kind of, you know, human part of your brain that that does reasoning and logic when you're under stress. Yes. So, which is why you want to then come back into the parasympathetic. And I say breathing is is one of the best things, but you could also, you know, because we're saying the fight or flight is there designed to make you fight or flee, you, you could just, you know, this isn't always appropriate, but you could move. So if you did, you know, let's say, I don't know, let's say I got really stressed now, not now on the webinar, but I was at home, I, I could just go for a walk. You know, and I could walk it off, or I could go and do a workout. So when possible, when you are when you are under that physiology, movement's a good strategy. Um, and obviously we want people to move as much as possible anyway. Yeah. Nice. But the other thing is then looking at... In fact, if you think about balance scales as well, and I've put that as a little um, thing in my handout, it's it's almost like your sort of bank account as well, of if you can build up... Um, z- z- so, you know, things like your sleep. Sleep is a parasympathetic activity, and not getting enough sleep is inherently stressful on the body. So trying to, independently of everything else sort your sleep out, have enough sleep, have a good sort of sleep routine. People often call it sleep hygiene now, which I think is a bit of a Really phrase. Sleep hygiene, come on. But but yeah, yeah, you but um but uh you know that that's really important and and again it sounds so basic. People can always think you know, I've I've done a few of these things for the people and the questions I often get asked is you know, what supplements come out take and and it's not about taking a pill or medicating something it really is, you know, kind of as unsexy as you, you know, you need to sort out your sleep you need to be making sure that you are doing things in your day that bring you joy and make you happy you do need to look at your life and look at what's stressing you out and try and thin off some of those things that, you know, You know, like, I don't know, if you don't like your colleagues at work and you've got to I don't know, sit around the table at lunch and things like that, you know, all these things are going to add up to that bucket again and it's just thinking you know, and as we get older I think you do have to think rather than just kind of and you have to start to define yeah. you know, as one of the things that hopefully as we get older as we actually start to know ourselves a bit better and it's actually being again a bit more proactive about creating your own recipe for what works for yeah. you. Mm. Definitely.
1: I think the key is, is is awareness, isn't it? Because in this day and age we are so busy and stress is one of them things that really creeps up on us. And we don't realise yeah. we're stressed until we actually start experience the symptoms from stress. So, would you say it's a really good idea yes. to build build this rest recuperation for the parasympathetic nervous system into our lifestyle before we actually feel the symptoms of stress? Yeah, absolutely. And I
2: think this is the thing is that um, you know I think when you're when you're really stressed, you, you know it and that's when you feel it. But when we're talking about just the simple fight-flight response, mm. you know, you get the adrenaline come out first, which we do feel because that's something that elevates heart rate and gets us a little bit revved up. But when you're having this kind of low-level, but low level but kind of chronically triggered, mm. like particularly the cortisol, because adrenaline goes up but drops very quickly, but the cortisol stays up longer anyway. And again, if you know, if, if being triggered often, it kind of just tends to stay there. We don't feel cortisol. I think once we've had this, dominance for a while we start to get the symptoms we might not recognize the symptoms that we're having as being symptoms of elevated cortisol and a stress hormone imbalance which is why i've put them in the hands out yeah. because you know i think i mean sometimes we recognize it in ourselves like for me i might be a bit irritable a bit snappy and that's generally not me i'm pretty laid back but you know you're something oh, you know when you're kind of not yourself um or you're um I, I mean things like weight gain things like um, I know, low mood. There's, there's a whole bunch of them. And I think the problem with some of these suits is they're so common to a whole bunch of, of problems. People don't necessarily know the root cause. And also, particularly... I'd say as we age, because I don't think anyone wants to come, you know, be able to think of ourselves as ageing. But when I say age, I really could be the other side of 30 onwards. Um, you know, we, we start to think, oh, this is just what happens because I'm slowing down a bit and almost, my metabolism's slowing down a bit and this must just be how it is. Um, and the other problem is sometimes because that starts happening and some of those symptoms could be gaining weight, particularly around the middle, um, people often then try and deal with that by doing even more exercise or you know, like some more exercise. I'm not saying bad exercise by the way, but you know, people often then think, oh right, that's it, I'm getting fatter, I'm gonna you know, then they start going to extreme, so they either start going on like, you know, low calorie diets or so then they start skipping meals and all these things are also things that trigger cortisol. So um, you know, even missing a meal, now don't get me wrong, intermittent fasting can be a really good technique but actually if you've got a stress hormone imbalance, it might not be because when you because if you if you're in a fasted state again that can be a stress to the body, and then it's going to release more cortisol, which then causes blood sugar you know glucose to be dumped in your blood, and, and and this and this is the thing often the the, <laughs> the best of intentions people are making their problems worse by doing what they think they need to do to sort it and maybe we might have worked for them in their 20s and maybe early 30s and then when you get kind of into mid, late 30s and beyond the things that you thought were you, you probably kind of got away with them rather than they were the best strategies I mean I put my hands up you know I've been in fitness my whole working life I've definitely been a chronic over exerciser you know like I used to teach from me. Fifteen classes a week, and you know, then I'd be in the gym, and I'd also feel like, you know, you know I'd have to be in there for two hours and all that kind of. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like a form of punishment, but when I look back, I was like, what was I doing? Why was I doing like that? Um, but also, then we feel like that's what we need to do in order to, you know, work off the weight gain and stuff like that. And actually, that can again be making things worse. Again, not saying don't do any. It's about, it's I think we about balance again. It's finding the sweet spot.
1: Is there an optimal level of exercise that you'd recommend to keep that in balance, or is it very individual for the person?
2: I'd say it's very individual for the person, um, and it's, it's like anything, isn't it? It's a little bit of trial and error, but, but equally, one of the problems in reality with clients is that they're not they're not a scientific experiment. It's very rare that we can say just change this one thing because we know that you know we know that you know it's 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 like food often you find when people do over train one of the one or or a lot of training is it will increase appetite Mm -hmm. so then they eat more or i know i used to run half marathons which are anymore but I think oh, I've run 10 miles so when we go out for dinner I think we oh, I'm gonna have a pudding and I'm gonna have some red wine because I because I can um you know because I've earned it and we all tend to have that idea of you know I've earned it or I deserve it but, you know which is fine once in a while but it's not great for trying to lose weight but um it, yeah I'd say women in particular don't do as well doing more um Men, because because men's hormones tend to be pretty much on a level, like simple creatures, um, whereas women are constantly, you know, they have a cycles so and they're constantly, you know, hormonally kind of over that twenty eight odd days. It's never the same, so so um, and we are more sensitive to the stress hormones and so on. Women tend not to do as well doing more when it becomes a hormonal issue. They're often better doing more low level stuff like walking, like. Yoga, Pilates, whatever that doesn't elevate cortisol, and then some resistance training, maybe a couple of high-intensity type things, you know, like two to three times a week is probably enough.
0: It's keeping um, that nice balance, isn't it? That nice even.
2: More, but it's interesting. But again, it's like if you do a, if you do a, a hard session that is going to. I mean, resistance doesn't so much. Uh, this is where it gets complicated. All right, so so when you do the high-intensity stuff, it's, it, it does elevate cortisol, but it also elevates testosterone, including in women, because you know, we have fat like men have estrogen, just small amounts. And when that when testosterone is present and human growth hormones triggered, that, that combo, that cocktail of hormones is great for fat burning. So cortisol gets a really bad reputation. But it's more about um, – it's like an ingredient in a cocktail and depending on what other things you've got going in the mix, it can either be a fat burner or a fat strawer. So, you know, it does get a little bit complicated. But in terms of exercise, we don't want, like, long-duration cardio like going for a 10-mile run. And again, if that's what you're into and you enjoy it, no one's saying you have to stop. But from a purely fat loss point of view, or particularly if you're starting to put it all around the middle, which is indicative very much of stress hormones – then that might not be the best strategy for you to, to lose that. If I asked it when I can't say it isn't. Um, but there's always exceptions to the rule, right? Because everyone's physiology is different. So, you know, when, when you say things like this, there's always some sort of smart who pops up, well, you know, my cousin Watson's is are very he really you know, everyone's different. And the thing is, if it's not, you know, if if it's not working for you, then you need to change it. There's no sort of one magic recipe it's finding just like that recipe for yeah. happiness is unique to you it's that recipe for what that again was balance what that balance is but and thing saying don't do hard stuff but it's like you need to then offset that with some um you need to make sure you're coming back down into that sort of parasympathetic zone because that's you know that's your rest, it's your recovery, that's actually when the magic happens. The training is the stimulus. You don't get fits of while you're training the training is the stress um, that you then adapt to, which means the training does need to be hard enough that it is a stress. And if I just hopped on a cross train and bumbled around a bit, you know, didn't really tax me, but other than doing some movement, it hasn't really, it hasn't really achieved a lot because I can cope perfectly well with it. There's no, the body needs a reason to change stages as I, I know, you know, so I'm not saying you have to go eyeballs out hard, 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 but it does need to be tough. Uh, and, and when it's, when it's that kind of higher intensity, which doesn't have to mean jumping around. I know a lot of hit stuff does. Yeah, we all love a burpee and stuff, but those of us who, you know, maybe... <laughs> are good, you know, you can still hit that intensity with a heavy weight session, you know, or okay, there's a whole bunch of ways you can still work at that intensity, mm-hmm. then you're going to get that right kind of cocktail of hormone release. But you still need to then try and mix in, whether it's walking, whether it's just, some, whether it's just a soak in the bath, it could be watching a, I don't know, comedy. You know, and it's anything that's you know, happiness, joy, relaxing. Out. It can be
0: hanging out with your pets, which is like one all, all things I love to do. I find that really chilling. So, um, so Kathy, so we we've, we've so far we've talked about um, obviously fight and flight, and we've got this bucket of stress, and everybody's different. Um, but it's it's more about the um, bad prolonged chronic stress like the kids and the job you hate and lack of sleep and having to feel you've got to do a million things and then getting anxious about that and then allowing our thoughts to get carried away with us and causing that internal bad chronic stress and I think you know that's that's the biggest issue one and and everybody's different and you know we hear what you're saying about doing some exercise but then obviously relaxing it off to be able to not have that cortisol spike but what is it about weight gain I mean why are these women who are so stressed but they believe they've got to live that way because obviously the kids are doing this and that and everything but why are they gaining weight and why are they not able to get read of the weight what is it about their hormones that's not allowing them to do that because their bucket's overflowing
2: well it's a few things it is because the bucket's overflowing and they need to take some stuff out but what what's happening when you've got um again if you've got the cortisol without the growth hormone and testosterone um because that releases blood sugar yeah glucose into the blood. If you're not then going to do any movement, insulin comes in to bring that down because too much blood sugar in the blood is, is can kill you. So that's so then you've got the insulin kicking in, and then assuming no movement's happening, and assuming that your your nutritional status, I assuming you're quite well fed. I and mean, if you have fasted, I'm not suggesting everyone does fast. This would be a little different. But what happens is you lock it into the fat cell. So basically, say the insulin is often known as a storing and locking hormone, and it will lock that glucose in there. And basically, it's like bang, it's like box, bang in Harry Potter. You're not getting that back out in a hurry, and it stores it around the middle because for a reason, because it's close to the liver, and it's ready then for the kind of the next stress response. Because going back to KB days, whereas probably had months or weeks of you know not much going on, probably when there was stress you know, attack, threat, whatever, the, the body would be like, oh, you know, it, it kind of gets in that heightened state. So so that's why we store it there. And then it's hard to get rid of it because even if you're then in um a calorie deficit, what tends to happen is that your body will use it will burn your muscle rather than going to that fat cell and take that fat out, you will either burn your own sort of sugar stores, so your glycogen and your muscle or your own protein stores. And this is actually one of the things you see, particularly in women my age and, and over when they're perimenopausal and so on, because you're more sensitive to that cortisol effect as your estrogen helps to kind of moderate the, the cortisol effect. And as your estrogen drops, um, that becomes, you know, you're more sensitive to it. And so you're more likely to gain the weight around the middle. And then often they'll go on restrictive diets um, which is another form of stress which keeps driving that response, as we say. And they might still be in a calorie deficit, but they'll take the, the body will take the fuel from things like their legs, which is why you get women getting kind of tubby around the middle, and then they often, you know, get little sticky, sticky arms and legs. You know, if they're not so that's kind of a bit of a classic kind of post shape because Right, so, so they are losing weight, they're just not losing the fat from where they want to lose the fat, right? So, yeah. the, you know, the, the stress was the problem with the, the fat around the middle as well. Is it's um, that visceral fat is um, often people call it toxic fat because it actually manufactures some estrogen anyway. Men and women, which is why men, when they get a bit of the belly, often get the boobs as well, the man boobs, because that's the, the estrogen being made by that that belly fat. And that's, that kind of drives that inflammation. So when you're know, sort of chronic stress, what, because part of the stress response, as well as the food and of stuff, is that it increases um, uh, like these inflammatory markers in the blood. Because if you were going to fight for your life, you'd need to do things like crop bloods. Um, you know, if you imagine a genuine, you know, kind of battle or something. So the body's ready for all of that because it's still got this one quite primitive response and and, you know short-term inflammation is good it's there if you know if you got cut or something it would deal with it but again chronically it just leads to elevated you know inflammatory Mm. markers and then that kind of that causes inflammation in the gut Uh, you know when you've got inflammation again it's very difficult to lose weight and then you start getting things like insulin resistance and then again it becomes a vicious cycle because insulin resistance you are kind of the more you're hanging onto to that belly fat. Um, so why can't they lose weight? Because they are not understanding that's why they're doing it and they're just trying to tackle the problem by eat, by more restrictive eating and more exercise and that's probably feeding into that problem. And as counterintuitive as it is, almost the best thing for them to do, maybe for a short time, is to strip it right back and actually just calm everything down and maybe just for a few weeks just go walking. And, you know, often you find, you know, some, some of your clients sometimes, they're always going on holiday, don't do their training, but they're, they're doing a lot of walking, maybe a bit gentle swimming, and obviously they're, they're not to a lot of the, the crappy stress of their normal life. You know, they're, they're doing what, as humans, mm. we were meant to do, which is a lot of low-level movement, you know, nice, long, leisurely meals... In company, probably sleeping really well, lots of chill out time. And even though they might eat more than normal at home, they go, "Oh God, I didn't put any weight." Or sometimes, "Wow, I even lost some weight because, yeah. because of exactly what you say." I know this is not everyone's experience, and mm. you know, you come back from two weeks in the states and you put on a stone. I, I get that, but um, but you know, it's, it is um, you know, everyone, you know, the fitness industry. I've been in it years, and I, I had enough and kick my head around this because our answer has always sort of been eat less move more eat less move more but that's just one strategy and for, for a lot of people that might be exactly what they need to yeah. do but it's not the only strategy and the answer isn't to just keep doing ever more movement ever less eating because that then creates more stress
0: i think and you know it's the flames of all i think it's so interesting what you're saying kathy about you know about going back to basics with breathing and gratitude and enjoying life you know because these are the things that are often overlooked all the time because we think we discount them and go well how could that possibly help me lose weight but i think it's so amazing what you're talking about how these kind of um techniques actually help calm our hormones down and calm our cortisol down and you know and that's what we don't often think about is it
2: No, that's it and that also then drives appetite as well because you know one of the things when you're having a stress response after the insulin's you know got taken that glucose out locked it away in that fat cell then the next thing happens is your blood sugar's too low and you get hungry and then normally you crave something sugary so um in the hand that i've done you've got the, the stress sugar yeah. roller coaster and you know that's one of the biggest um kind of contributors to all of this is definitely the whole gratitude happiness joy you know kind of trying to be the engineer of your own life because I think one thing is that we all feel you know that's just how life is now I mean there's a lot of people that are almost martyrs to it you know or, you know sort of they almost like you oh, have so much to do and that's almost like their, you know their talking point is you know oh but there's a that, and some people kind of you know like to, to to be a bit of a martyr like that but uh, you know they have to acknowledge that it doesn't doesn't serve you no. um but but also just looking at balancing out that kind of stress sugar stuff because once you're on that sort of roller coaster it's it, you know it kind of is a wild ride and, and and it starts to control you and not the other way around and one of the lectures I was on today that like they were actually saying for some people when they when they've got such a craving for something sweet and they're like oh you know I couldn't I, I, you know next thing I knew I was eating that that's chocolate cake and they're saying with things like candida overgrowth sometimes this this thing about the gut and the gut the gut talks to the brain there's actually um the enteric nervous system, which is part of this autonomic nervous system. That's the, you know, like they often call it the second brain and that more communication goes from the gut to the brain than it does from the brain to the gut. And so when we're making bad food choices, we've kind of got inflammation anyway because we've got unbalanced blood sugar. We're kind of eating crap and having sweet cravings and we're making the the, um, environment in the gut more and more unhealthy as well, which then makes that even more... Inflammatory, and that's then sending signals back to the brain saying, you know, that it's under stress. And and what's really interesting is, um, you know, for me, who's a bit of a geek on this stuff, is that that I think the biggest area of, uh, you know, weight loss kind of for the next few years will be what what they're trying to find now about all of the, um, you know, about the guts and the gut brain connection. And and our and our bacteria and you know, our little kind of zoo of bacteria, kind of good and bad. And I, I can't what they said. I, I can't remember how many trillion types they said there are of these different bacteria. But they have yet to find. There's no like optimal balance. But what we do know is having things like sugar, or, or of any form. Um, kind of really knocks that out and unfortunately that does include wine like my favorite thing and how many of us or is it just me when we are a bit stressed how many of our go-to things to come in or when the kids have gone to bed is to pour yourself a big old glass of you know cheeky glass of chardonnay or or, or whatever it is and so you know I I know this is complicated because it's like it's a whole system and everything affects everything. But, you know, the digestive system is, is a big, big part of this as well. Once once it started, you know, you come back to the question about these women who can't lose weight, once you've set up a, you know, unwittingly set up this whole environment where the system's all getting out of balance, one of the, you know, two things I'd say. One, kind of like I say, calm everything down in terms of, you know, your thoughts, mm-hmm. don't over-exercise, don't, you know, just try and sort of, you know, chill out, basically, but also just try and look at you know, calming everything down in the digestive system. And one of the best things you can do is, you know, just kind of cut out the crap, at least for, for a few weeks. You know, no one's saying you have to eat, you know, just, you know, eat just veggies and protein all the time. But sometimes when you've got some, when you've kind of got into this position, and it takes a while, you know, it, um, then that's exactly what you need to do. So so you can't separate it out, you um, because everything affects everything in the body so everything works in a balance and when we're out of balance you've kind of got all these systems and they're all kind Mm. of knocking on to each
0: other and driving each other so it's um so so sometimes you know you've got to look at more than one thing if that's if that's the case obviously carbohydrates are classed as a sugar so does that mean that as we get older we need to be cutting down on carbs a little bit more
2: yeah it does actually depending on what you're having anyway it certainly makes us less tolerant to them and, and certainly for women um because oestrogen again helps us tolerate carbs so so kind of post definitely again it's not good and bad no one's saying cut them out completely because that is also a stress but definitely we can tolerate less of them right. and we need to be kind of really sure that we're eating you know the right types which generally just means not the processed ones yeah definitely. You know, preferably get lots from from vegetables but if you're training you know you you do definitely need to have some carbs and you know kind of healthy carbs but yeah you're right you definitely do need to have less
0: yeah yeah definitely I just think it's so interesting that we just don't even think about how getting stressed and now we see you know that it raises our cortisol levels and as you say in your hand up this four times the amount of you know cortisol receptors in our stomach area. So the diagram that you did, um, that you've you've got there for us, Kathy, where you've got kind of the um, blood sugar cycle. Can you just explain that to us a little bit more in detail, so our guys can understand? Oh, you, you mean you mean you mean the roller coaster? Well, yeah. well, your yeah. blood
2: sugar naturally does. You know, like like anything, everything kind of is a wave in the body. Yeah, mm. and 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 a cycle. We want that. We're not looking for sort of flat lines, but we definitely want sugar to be more stable um you know we don't want, say we don't want it to go too high but the, the body will make um very sure it doesn't get too high because that's really dangerous um or too low because that's like your hyper and hypoglycemia so yeah. um and again the body's very good at regulating it but when things get out of balance it you know it causes these more on effects but if if you eat this is the thing about um if you eat too too many, and I understand people don't know what's well, too many, and this is the problem because it depends on yeah. the individual. But if you eat too many carbohydrates in a meal or too many um, if you like, the kind of high GI ones or something like that, you know, that get released into the bloodstream really quickly, yeah, because it's it's dangerous building up, then you're going to get that insulin coming out to bring that that blood sugar down. Yeah. And because because too high blood sugar is is the worst case scenario it does tend to be a slight overreaction so then then it as i say it comes in mops it all up locks it in the fat cell kind of stored safely out the way and then suddenly often it's a little bit low and then you get these you know you'll you'll be hungry you you, i'm sure some of your listeners can identify i know if i eat some like pasta and I love pasta, but if I eat pasta, I can eat a massive bowl of it. And, and you know, like an hour later, I'm like, oh, I want something else to eat. Yeah. Because it's almost like I've had too many carbs, that's happened. I've had a bit of a... And then that, that kind of craving kicks in again because yeah. because you've gone too low. So we want these sort of slower-release carbs, you know, Again, we don't hopefully eat carbs in a vacuum or eat them hopefully with protein. And obviously we've got more protein that's going to, you know, that's one of the best ways you can you can keep it a little bit more balanced is having protein at every meal. Um, we, we, we're we still going to get spikes of insulin. Again, don't think of these hormones as bad. We can't have them, you know, they're, they're designed to be mm. there. It's just making sure they're there in the right amount yeah. at the right time. So, so we want to avoid extremes and unfortunately having like, a couple of things really. It's like too 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 many carbs, which too many sugary and starchy carbs. But even things like, and I, I don't want to touch your listeners or, or. <laughs> but even things like coffee, which doesn't have any carbohydrate in it because it's a stimulant, yeah, will pick up cortisol again, which is one of the things I think sometimes people struggle with a bit because, you know, they come from some of the slimming clubs and it's like, oh my God, I want a bit of coffee because it has zero calories. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, and again, some people tolerate it better than others, um, which is why these things are black and white. Some people are fine with a few cups and and some people absolutely aren't. Um, But, you know, if nothing else, you know, have it in the morning, but then don't have it kind of in the afternoon because that's going to raise your cortisol. Now, cortisol should rise in the morning, yeah. you know there is a curve and again no one's saying you should never have any cortisol but what we want is high kind of higher in the morning later in the evening ready for sleep and we don't really want too much of this kind of fluctuation around our food because because then our hunger and our energy levels and our cravings are all out of whack so our symptoms are always you know it's very complicated and i think to sort of strip it back to what's simple is always let your symptoms if you like be your guides, because that's that's the truth of it rather than me saying, it needs to be like this or you know you know how much is too much it's like well how do you feel because that is absolutely your truth and if you're eating the right amounts and types of foods for you then your hunger should stay pretty stable as in you you don't get hungry between meals the lecture I was on today she was saying um, you should be able to go six hours between meals and not be hungry and if you are getting starving then then something's kind of wrong so the balance probably either you're not eating enough you're not eating enough protein or you know or, or, the, or you've probably got some imbalance going on that we need to to bring down but you know if your hunger's stable if your energy is pretty good and you're not craving so, you think, so if you're having cravings that's already a sign that that something's a little bit out of work so what we're looking for is to have that kind of hunger energy levels and cravings and you're kind of fairly stable um so that's that's then indicating that the sort of cause and an incident, and everything else is um is all kind of behaving itself because they're they're normal, natural. They should occur. They will rise and fall with meals. We just don't, you know, we want the little gentle kind of kiddie roller coaster, We don't want the big dipper. Um, so so it's it's avoiding those extremes. And and, oh. and sugar absolutely is. is every, you know, there's there's no good apart from the taste notes. There is no good arguments eating sugar there's nothing good about sugar sugar not carbs but you know like the white stuff yeah. Yeah. that's like if, if you just cut that out i say just that'd be massive
0: how would Even you if know it's just for like how would you know if you've got an insulin resistance to carbs how would you know that kathy what would be the, the symptoms of that do you think
2: well insulin resistance is more like a sort of Pre-diabetes and diabetes, isn't it? Which which can come from eating too many carbs, but but not just. fact I think the research is now saying stress hormones, is the stress hormone dominance, and it all kicks in because then the stress response is almost providing its own carbs mm. to us, if you like, like in the yeah. form of glucose. So, I mean, you'd know you were getting insulin resistant. You'd know that you could suspect by the fact that you do start putting on that abdominal fat, yeah, around the middle, um, and 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 because it's inflammatory you might have things like joint pain uh, and stuff like that, you know, aches and pains. And I'm thinking, what else? I mean, you know, again, probably mood swings. <laughs> uh, this, 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 uh, you know, a lot of people are probably kind of thinking, oh, I have that F- energy, energy crashes um, quite often, you know, a mid-afternoon slump, that kind of stuff.
0: Um, but probably the best thing to do would be to go and get a get you know, blood yeah. test run definitely 100% definitely so um so we've got so this is fantastic and we've got a couple of guys that have come back and said she's fab definitely have a problem with carbs I can't eat them all so we've got people coming in saying that you know sort of uh, everything here um Vicky's saying completely agree I thrive on stress when I'm working but I hate stressing at home and I'm low in estrogen but the doctor doesn't think it's important to follow up. I'm sure this is something to do with the moods. Um, Alison Ware says, um, so how is the best way to strike a lifestyle balance to get a hormone balance? And what percentage of the day would you recommend you should work, relax, exercise and sleep?
2: That
1: was a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, well it's important to stress again that there's no one best and, and you will have to play around a it a little bit. And it's always a balance between, you know, maybe ideal and, and realities of life, because probably ideally none of us would go to, to job for eight hours and sit in a car for probably an hour either side of that and all of those things. But um you know, which is why I think people do thrive on holiday because they are living a much I more mean, natural, sort of paced life. But that's not the reality for many of us. But I would say it's not so much how much work, but it's probably where you're putting that work and what that work is. So you know, particularly if you come home and you're checking emails or you're checking your phone or you know, it's it's staying off those um those these these lit devices, your tablets, your computers, really because this not only does this affect your sleep, um, because you might tell us, well I sleep okay, but but actually when we're looking at a backlit device like a, like a computer or a phone, it stimulates our our retina and our eye to think it's daylight. And when it's daylight, cortisol's higher. Um, and part of that then means we think it's daytime and, and we and, and we that keeps our appetite up. So, and, and also it then, because our cortisol should gently wind down. like now it's just going dark sat here. I should be chilling out. And really now, it would be great to... You know, whether it's out in the garden or to start lighting some candles and dimming the lights and preparing the body for that gentle wind down. So, you know, it doesn't have to happen when the sun sets. I mean, particularly in winter, that's not going to be practical. But but I think it's important that at the um, at the end of your day, you definitely start to wind down and prepare for sleep. Because actually, when you talk about balancing the hormones, again, all being well, we give the body what it needs, it balances them itself. And most hormones reset when we sleep. So again, sleep is the ultimate parasympathetic activity. Yeah, yeah. Um and you know, that's that's when everything's happening. So prioritizing your sleep and, and, and making sure you kind of have a nice pre-sleep routine is probably the most important thing you can do. And then it's you know it's okay to, to have a busy life and so on and to be you know, again, everyone's different. If you if you do all right working ten hours, that's great, but just try not to do that up till like 11pm or midnight and I'm a night out so I, I find this hard because I'm I'm better in the evening than I am in the morning but whether I like it or not because it's the adrenal glands that um, produce the stress hormones adrenaline cortisol and when they're cranking that out all the time mm. you can over as well as this kind of stress hormone dominance insulin resistance stuff you also can get what's, what's known as adrenal fatigue and you will find people arguing about whether there really is such a thing but actually there is and when your are your adrenals reset i think between 10 p.m and midnight mostly at sleep which is why you see so many people say go to bed between you know at 10 and you- I was think well why does it matter you know what if i go at 2 a.m and i get up at 10 but actually from from your adrenal repair and recovery it does matter uh-huh. so kind of getting to bed early enough at least mm, four or five nights a week winding down before sleep really important and then making sure in your day it's fine to be sort of sort of busy and, and stressed as long as it, like said, as long as it uplifts you and energises you. If you've got a lot on, but most of the time you feel like it's crushing you and it's like, you know, a load on your back, then that's not good stress for you. But if if, if you're loving it and you're doing what you love, that is different. I mean, movement definitely, I'd be trying to get as much movement, you know, exercise how much is, you know, if you're fucking gentle walking, you can't do too much. But the reality is most of us don't have time in our day to go and just walk for two hours. But, you know... Uh, you don't need to be train. You know, you don't want to be training hard every single day. Um, so, if you're going to do high intensity stuff, you probably, you know, you said, two times a week, three times a week. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not as if you're not stress hormone dominant, maybe you can do four. But it, it depends. But you know, if I was thinking this might be happening with me, I would be cutting down to two for a bit and just seeing what happens. And then you know, because I always then add a session back in. It's it's like say so always. It's 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 not me giving you a. A prescription here because it's 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 you've got to just kind of yes play with it and see what works for you yes definitely. But, the, but the sleep's important. I just realise it's getting really dark in my ass I look yeah. like him in
0: a death. I think it's amazing how quickly the hormones actually reset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just that's really
1: surprised me how quickly they can reset. We give them a chance, um,
0: exactly. And I just think, you know, we neglect our bodies so much because we're like, no, well, I've got to do this work and I have to answer this email and I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But the thing is, you know, what we don't realise is the impact that's having on our body. And I know, um, you know, particularly um, someone that's listening here, do you know what I mean? Um, How important it is for us to be able to look after our bodies and not just neglect them and run them ragged, basically, because, you know, we don't really understand the delicate nature of everything that's going on underneath. So Kathy, this is absolutely fascinating, and it's such good information for our guys. I know they're all loving it. We're getting messages in on the Facebook thing, and we get messages, you know, in here. So it's it's brilliant. Thank you, Nisha. Nice so um, I think really. If that is, that is, um, I, mean, I think that's a good place to finish today. I think definitely. For
1: part, for part one, I think it's for an awesome place one, to finish. Definitely,
0: it. definitely. Well, it's just important for part two, and I know we're aiming
2: that more at the ladies, but for men too, with the sex hormones, mm. when you're having problems, it's, you know, it always goes upstream to the stress first. Um, and you can't sort it. I mean, you know, with, with women, obviously, we, we have a natural decline. We can't halt the fact that you might approach menopause eventually, but but the, the, the stress hormone imbalance will make everything absolutely worse, and um, and same same sort for men as well. So. You know, when we talk about sex hormones, you can never ever look at them without addressing this stuff first because yeah. remember, this is priority and this drives everything else. So, this is a you know, this is a kind of a very good part one
0: for what we're going to talk about. Definitely, definitely. So, um, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. has been such an eye opener. I can't us. believe an
1: hour's gone past. I oh, know, I
0: can't believe it. No. And, um, now no, I can talk oh guys on here as they're saying absolutely brilliant thank you so much um and yeah it's just absolutely wonderful to have you come and talk about this know we've got quite a few people on listening in as well so guys is uh, just i'll just invite these guys is there anything you want to say to kathy before we um finish tonight you can always type it in the go to webinar box um and let us know as i say we have a 13 page handout that i will post immediately after this in the group for you guys so you can pick Mm -hmm. that up and you can actually have a look at that Um, for yourselves it's it's really good and kathy has really broken it down nicely but i think the big takeaway from this is the small things do matter yeah
1: the small things do matter i I I think also it's your thought process the way you feel affects your digestive system which infects your hormone system and then it's this vicious cycle going around again because it backs to your mindset again so we need to break down, that down,
2: pattern. down right Barry it's it's all it's you know every thought you have is is, is you know is is a chemical it uh, has a chemical reaction in your body which mm. you know and that's it's all the hormones are like chemical messengers they're like little you know pigeons just just communicating between the different parts of the body and it all starts on what's going on in our heads and and that's that's so important for people to realise because I think that's the other thing. Half the time we don't know how how much kind of crap we're saying to ourselves. And like I say, how much pressure we put ourselves under, um, not just awesome in job but just in life, so as, as a partner, as a parent, whatever it is, or, or just even stories of you know, not being good enough that we might have picked up from you know, God knows where and all of these things matter. And there, there is a section on that in my hands out because I knew... There's so much about it. I, I just wanted you to make sure you had a full overview. So have a look at that, guys, because there'll be some bits in that that we haven't talked about. Awesome. And there's also my email. So if you've, if you've got a burning question didn't get answered, just drop me an email and um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to it over the next couple of days. I mean, Karen says,
0: we look forward to seeing the handout and reading some more. I'll be changing a few more things in my life. Um now I understand. Uh, she says she could listen to you for hours because you're really easy to understand. But Kathy, how can our guys how can our guys get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to follow you and contact you if they want to?
2: All right. Well on that hand out there's a, an email address to me. I've also got a link to my calendar. They can always book a 30 minute call and have a chat if they mm. if they kind of feel they need to. Awesome. Um they could find me on Facebook if you can put my link in there. Um and, Kathy, um, if you say your too. link, because we're it's
1: going to go on a podcast as well. So for those can. guys who are not in our crew or in the hub, um, if you want to say it as well so they can get in contact with you.
2: Say what? what, <laughs> what what's, 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 what's your, your email? Facebook, what's, your,
1: what's your Facebook link and oh, so my forth? Email. Oh, email. Oh,
2: okay. So they won't, oh, God, I don't know. I'm just tapping the card. <laughs> you know. I don't know, I
1: don't know. Are you are you under I'm, Kathy I'm McCarthy not on Facebook? Social media, guys. I'm I'm
2: I'm a dinosaur. I tell you, a, I, love I love it. I love it. Well, I will
1: tell you what we do. I'll, I'll put it in your in your synopsis at the at the bottom of the podcast.
0: So Kathy's email really? address. My, my email is on the handout I'll pop that email. That's it. okay. Cool. So Kathy's email address is kathy at kathy mccarthy. That's two c's dot co dot uk. And you have a yeah. Facebook page, Kathy. I do. And well, what's I, it? I called? mean, I've got
2: my personal page. I've also got a business page, but I don't, I don't do that much on it because only Facebook only showed two percent of the people your stuff. I know. Know.
1: <laughs> Damn you, Facebook!
2: I know. But, um, I'm not. I'm not a great Facebook. I am trying hard. I am in a, a group with these guys where it's about sort of showing up more, and I, I,
0: I do promise to be doing more stuff on Facebook. Well, well I know,
2: my dog. the thing
0: is, Cathy, <laughs> this, this is such an important subject, mm. and I know there's so many ladies out there that would absolutely love this kind of information. So get, um, perhaps in contact, contact we can get in contact and we can do a little joint free programme for people or something to help boost... To, you know, yeah. have to say, yeah. be so yeah, for that. that'd be fantastic. Well, Kathy, thank That's you good. so much for joining us this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, this is just part one, and um, we will be doing a part two where we'll be looking at peri and menopause. So, thanks Brilliant. so much, Kathy. We really appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. Have a good evening. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.